another brand new episode of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair. With me as always is Max Unsolved Mysteries, hosted by Robert Stack Caport. I just got to plan these better. The one's not great. But uh, this just like all off the top of the dome at this point. That one was, I need to write these down. I need to like spend a day brainstorming, come up with some. But uh, I was just thinking about Unsolved Mysteries, as I often do. Max, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, how's how's the how's the PNW? It is uh, unseasonably warm, actually. Do people say PNW out loud there? You know, they don't. Okay. Nobody. I don't even think people really use PNW that often out here. I don't see it written super often. I'm gonna do it when I go out there next. I'm gonna say it very loudly in public to embarrass you. That's like gonna be your new Fraser. Uh, my new, bit. my new, my new Frasier bit. Yeah, that I had when I was out there. It's like it's, it'd be like walking through Times Square and just saying very loudly, <laughs> "The Big Apple." Am I right, guys? Like that. It'd be good. Good way to embarrass friends. Uh, yeah, so Max, we are now in the uh, the home stretch of the season. I believe six games left. Um, we have we had game one of, of Joel Embiid's uh, predetermined yet not predetermined rest, uh, which started last mm-hmm. night, uh, which resulted in the Jonah Bolden game. Uh, I got two more games of that, and then I think four more games after that. So that gives Embiid three games of rest, uh, all on the road, on a road trip. Um and then a stretch of four games to, to gear up and get ready for the playoffs. Um, what are your thoughts on giving Embiid this rest? Uh, do you think it'll help or hurt? Or, and do you think they're just being overly cautious, or do you think it's smart? I mean, I guess, I guess it concerns me a little bit just because I can't imagine that it's uh, unrelated at all to just the general, like, minor injuries he's had throughout the season, mm-hmm. the knees specifically. Like, I think if he was totally healthy, they, they wouldn't have done this, you know. Uh, like I don't, I don't think it's, it's merely load management in the sense that like in the past it was load management, like mm-hmm. not related to an injury, but just hey, he's seven two, he has this this injury history. This feels like hey, let's get your knees some rest, which is obviously more concerning. I don't yeah. really care that he's not playing these three games. Um, I, you know they they've basically locked in to the three seed, uh, yeah. especially with the with the Celtics and Pacers losing last night and getting the win against the the um, Timberwolves. I, there's not really a way of dropping unless you, you basically have to lose out and have one of those teams win out. Um, yeah, I, I think believe they, they play each this, other again, too, both those teams, the Pacers yeah, and, and Celtics. Yeah, the Sixers have six games left. I think both the Pacers and Celtics have five games left, and the Sixers are up on them four and a half games. So yeah. it's not impossible, but it's incredibly improbable. Yes. Um so I think at this point you feel like you just just do whatever you got to do to to get yourself ready for the playoffs. I do want him to come back um, after this road trip and play, if not the remainder of the games, maybe all but the finale. Um, you know, I I just want him. I don't want it to be a situation like it was last year going into the playoffs where you lose that continuity, and that mm-hmm. was because he broke his face like a month before the playoffs. But you know, I don't want his. I don't want him to play one more game and then it's the playoffs. You know, I, I would like them, especially because, what is it, 11 games, 12 games that they've played with Tobias Harris, the full group, and Embiid healthy. Yeah, like, that's, like that. that's not great. You know, I, I would like that to be more than 11 or 12 mm-hmm. uh, going into the playoffs or 13. Um, so I, I'd like, you know, I guess if you, if you rest these games, um, at that point, what do you have left? Do you have, um, what four games left? Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule now. Yeah, when so I you think have, in those four games you play Chicago twice. Yeah, so you really have like two games left. Um, you have the Bucks at home on, on April fourth, a Thursday. Then Saturday in Chicago, the next Tuesday in Miami, uh, and then at home against the Bulls, and that's yeah. a back to back. So definitely he's not playing one of those two back to back games. And actually, I probably just rest all the starters in that Wednesday game against the Bulls at home, the, the finale yeah. on April tenth. Yeah. Um, so if he played, yeah, I think if he played on the fourth, the sixth and the ninth and then rested on the 10th, that would, that feels good to me. Like get him three, get him three games, get the full group together just for, for that stretch, that one week, uh, starting next week with the Bucks game and then rest him. You got like, what, four days before the next play, before the first playoff game. Like that mm-hmm. seems ideal to me. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think. You know, even if you don't want to say rest, you know, say like Ben, Jimmy, Tobias. Why well, would rest Jimmy? Say you don't want to rest like Ben and Tobias. I, I think you should probably rest Jimmy, Joel, um, probably JJ. 
and then just let the the young guys get those get the run. Especially since you know just the way that playoff rotations work, those young guys or those bench guys are going to one not get much playing time in the playoffs, and two. If there is still something you want to see from one of those guys, that could be a good chance to look at it. I don't think they're going to be making last-minute switches to the opening rotation of the playoffs, and it might do that throughout the series. But um, that's a thing where I think, you know, it's not prudent to to have all your starters play in the very last game. Granted, it's a home game, so that kind of stinks, but uh, it's against the Bulls. Really will not matter if you win or lose that game. Um Look at I look at it this way, right? So if your team if your team is gonna make the playoffs in the NFL, you basically rest everyone you possibly can in week seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. So they have sixteen uh regular season NFL games. If you do the math out, that's five NBA games. So I'd be fine with resting most of your guys the last two games of the season. Um but that Embiid's getting this rest now, I'd want him to play probably three of those last four, like you said. But yeah, I don't you know, I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me at all. Um that that would be a thing. I it, it might be a little bit weird to have Dwayne Wade trade jerseys with Mike Scott. I don't know whoever's playing in that game, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not. It's not something that's concerning me at all. And I think it's probably even if it's just totally precautionary, or if it has something to do with near whatever. I think it's probably the smartest and and best move. Um, but in like like I mentioned earlier, in Embiid's uh, place, Jonah Bolden got some run last night. Uh, most notably, did not foul out. Um, but he went five for seven from three. I caught maybe 35 seconds of the game, so I can't really talk much about... I mean, I saw all his shots that went in, and I saw a couple highlight clips and stuff like that, and I know you didn't see the entire game either, but... Yeah, this is a, this is a great uh, Sixers podcast. We, well, I, we're, we've reached the point of the year where we can do a podcast without having watched the most recent game and, and still have it not be complete garbage. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I was I was just saying to somebody earlier, I'm like... It, However, Max and I are always scheduled to do a podcast. It's always right after I didn't watch most of a game because I had something going on. So, uh, but what do you think? Do you think, and this is kind of a question that we'll get later, um, but we can just take it now since we're already talking about it. I'm like, I'll actually, I'll pull up the question just so we can already jump into that because I want to give the person credit for asking it. Um, Okay, it was actually uh, six or Saturdays at six or Saturdays. Um, mm-hmm. There's a two-part question. We can take the first part later. Uh, the second part is if Jonah plays well to end the season, do you think there's real minutes for him in the playoffs? So since we're already talking you know, about Jonah, why don't why don't you use that as jumping-off point? Yeah, well, you know, I've kind of felt for a while like Jonah Bolden should have been getting more run. Like I, I, I kind of felt like throughout the season there wasn't really a point where he wasn't valuable in some way. It's like mm-hmm. he kind of reminded me a little bit of Rashawn Holmes uh, sure. in the sense that. He would get out of position a lot. He would get out rebounded. You know, there'd be like he would foul lapses. a lot. Yeah, he foul a lot. Um, but he was always making some impact. Whether he like hit a couple threes or he blocked some shots. Like, I just felt like he was more valuable than putting like Amir Johnson out there, who at this point in his career is sort of just just a negative. Like, it's not he's not going to make a ton of mistakes, but he's also not going to make any plays while right. he's out there. So it's just like. I, I feel like Jonah Bolden should 100% be the guy that if you're playing in the playoffs and it's against, I don't know who this team would be, but you're maybe it's due to injury, maybe it's due to just how the other teams, uh, what what they're putting out there. But if another team goes small, like you are you feel like you're in a position where Boban can't play right. um, backup, I think that that's got to go to Bolden, unless you're going small yourself and putting you know Mike Scott at the five or something. Like I think Bolden needs to get all those non-Boban backup center minutes Mm -hmm. um, when you're using something like a traditional center. Um, And I feel like he actually could play alongside Embiid or Boban a little bit at the four. Like, he stretches the floor enough. um, He makes plays. He's a good passer. Like, I I would... I I guess for me, you kind of said this too. Like, you have a few games left in the season. You imagine the starters will sit at least one of those. Uh... And your your backup your your, your rotation's pretty set, um, with the exception of like I would say James Ennis, um, Bolden, Jonathan Simmons, like that group. I feel like there's there's room for one of those guys to kind of cement themselves as like I think Mike Scott's in. Mike Scott's yeah. been the best of of the of the new bench guys. I think TJ's in because he backs up Ben, and he's also been pretty good recently. Um, 
and Boban's obviously in, unless you're going against a small team, in which I, I think that's when Bolden definitely should play. Mm-hmm. But I think even if even if you're playing Boban, I, I think Bolden could fill that role, um, that like fourth guy in the rotation who maybe plays ten minutes off the yeah. bench or eight minutes off the bench in the playoffs. Like, I think he does enough things that you can kind of put him out there in a, in a few different spots and be okay. So I, I'd like to see him break in as sort of a utility player. Um, I think he's good enough to do that, and I don't think they really have anyone else who is so good that they they like James Ennis. If, if James Ennis gets DMP'd in the playoffs, I don't think you're losing much. Right. Yeah. I think the key is you know obviously if he can do if he a plus on either side of the floor, let alone both, then that's good. But the, I think the key thing you would want from from Jonah in the playoffs is the ability to you know hold back the floodgates while Embiid rests. Right. And something that's going to cause an issue with that is going to be the foul trouble that he gets himself in. Um, I just, you know, I pulled up. He has he averages eight fouls per 100 possessions, so that's more than a regular game typically. But uh, And he's not going to play. You know, he's, they you literally cannot get to eight fouls, so there's that. Oh, but we, I, we also He also averages 6.1 per 36, so he averages fouling out if he true. were to play 36 minutes. But I just looked at over the past two seasons, people who he played 527 minutes this year, so people who played at least 500 minutes for their team um, and sorted by uh, personal fouls per 100 possessions. And a couple of people above him are definitely contributors. Um, you got Jan Mahimi from last year, Tarek Black from last year, Harry Giles from this year, uh, Daniel Tice from both this year and last year, Zaza from this year is in front of him. So those are guys who either aren't on playoff teams or probably weren't doing much for their team in the playoffs either way. Um, but if you go a little bit below him, I mean, you got... Uh, last year's Amir Johnson is right there. This year's Aaron Baines is right there. Um, this year's Nerlens isn't that far off. So these are guys who you do, those those are guys that you do expect to be able to contribute in the playoffs in a smaller role. So while the fouls do give me pause, it shouldn't be enough, hopefully, to really cause an issue with him getting minutes. Like where he's just a true liability to put on the floor because he just can't stop fouling. Now we've seen him play some bad some bad runs. We've seen him you know, go in and just get attacked right away and, and get, like, three fouls in, like, five minutes. Um, and, you know, that might happen. They might see that weakness in him, whoever the Sixers are playing, and just go at him, and then, you know, Embiid's rest is shortened. Or you got to put Boban back out there, who's a lot less mobile. Um, but that's when you have to, at that point, you know, strategize and and get in his ear and try your best to not have those fouls rack up. Um so it's a definitely a concern of mine, but I don't. I hope it, it shouldn't be enough to keep him off the floor completely. Because you know, you see what he did last night, and like, yeah, it's the best game he's ever played, probably here, or when he played in Israel, or maybe even when he played in Australia. Like, it it could be one of the best games he's probably ever played as a pro. Um, and you're not gonna expect that from him all the time, but you see stuff like that, and you realize that like he truly does have a chance. Um, to be something in this league. I mean, I said early early in the year, um, off air and maybe on air as well, that I think he was. I thought Jonah was still a year away, and maybe he is, but maybe he's a slightly less than a year away, and he's kind of finding his legs now. So maybe he's you know nine tenths of a, he was nine tenths of a year away, and now he's there. Um, obviously, probably won't get enough run to really really show that, but um, he's been looking good lately, and you know he gives you an option off the bench that like. You don't have, like, you know, James Ennis, Jonathan Simmons, for the best part, are, for the better part, are, like, different quality of player, but as, like, they're kind of interchangeable. They kind of both do similar things. Um, there's They don't have anybody else on that bench, really, that can do what Jonah can do when he's on, right? Who has that just absolute length. I think his wingspan's, like, 7'4". Um, who is, you know... Can get pushed around on defense, but can has the, his arms are long enough to recover and, and get blocks or get fouls, and he can shoot from long range. Um, they don't really have another option like that on their bench, so him playing well and playing foul free will be huge for him personally. But that could be like a, a big thing for the Sixers in the playoffs that you're like not totally. ba- banking on that can kind of give you the extra little push. Totally. Well, and it, and it felt it felt a little bit like Bolden. Um, through the preseason, uh, even like summer league before that, and the early part of the season, kind of like cemented himself as sort of unplayable. Like, like just cemented himself as a guy that Brett Brown probably was like, all right, this, this we're gonna kind of stash him, and, and he's more of a future piece. Um, but if you look at like 
since January, like in 2019, um, his game has like really come around. I mean, he's shooting like I'm, I'm just looking now. He's played 27 games. Um, he's actually made seven starts in the new year, which I, I didn't realize. Um, he's playing 15 minutes a game. He's shooting 44% from three on two and a half attempts per game in 15 minutes. That's really good. Yeah. Um, putting up five and four, five points, five and a half points, four rebounds, and an assist and a block uh, in 15 minutes. Like, that's that's solid. Um, his fouls are down in that time. He's not turning the ball over. Um, his plus minus and his advanced stats are pretty good. Like, I think he's actually been decent. He hasn't played a ton um, in, in that time, right? He's only he's gotten a handful of DMPs, and when he has played, um, you know, like earlier in the year before the before the um, trade deadline, he was playing a little bit more. Um, and then once they got Boban, he really fell off. But whenever he's played, he's he's for the most part either you know he's playing five minutes and doing nothing, or he's playing. 15 or 20 if he's if he's hot and he actually looks pretty good so i yeah. i don't know i'm more excited about him getting playoff minutes than i am like james ennis um i'm kind of interested in shake milton possibly as that i don't i don't really understand why he's not more in the conversation to to jump ennis and certainly jonathan simmons who i think at this point is kind of just out out of the rotation yeah yeah i mean who knows maybe maybe he'll fire up the opening game of the playoffs and be like holy shit they're this is what's happening here um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it'll still take some time to see. And like I said, like you know, maybe those last couple of games, you start to see where where you know they're kind of playing whose whose line is it anyway? Basketball, where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Just yeah. to kind of you know, they can just throw some weird lineups out there and just see what things look like. You know, totally. Um, I, I, yeah, I think you treat it like an audi- treat that those last couple of games as an audition. Yeah for, yeah, yeah, for that last rotation spot. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's take a look uh, forward, uh, Max, to the playoffs uh like we said um Sixers are pretty much locked down the three seed um they are four and a half games up on the Celtics and Pacers who have one fewer game to play uh than the Sixers do and I think you also said they also play each other once um, um let me make sure of that but I'm, I'm fairly certain they have one more game against each other that would make sense um so yeah not something yes they do yeah uh not something that's probably going to change. But things that could change. Uh, the 6 through 9 seed, Max, uh, Pistons, Nets, Heat, Magic, are all within a game and a half of each other. Uh, Pistons and Nets both have 39 wins. Uh, Pistons have one fewer loss. Uh, Heat and Magic both have 38 wins, and Heat have one fewer loss. So there's a lot that can change there. Um, you can have two nights pass, and all of a sudden that completely flips around. Um, of those four teams, Pistons, Nets, Heat, Magic, who would you most and least want to face in the first round? I think for me it's pretty easy. Orlando is the team I most want to face, and the Nets are the team I least want to face. Really? Okay. Um, and I say that because oh, well, Orlando, I just doesn't scare me at all. Um, you know, I, I think we've. I have to look. I, I feel like the Sixers haven't lost to the Magic. Uh. Like haven't haven't I feel like the the Sixers every time they play the Magic I feel super confident. Um, Vucevic kicks our ass every time, but I, I feel like otherwise there's not really there's not like that one guy like there is with Detroit right. with Brook Lopez or uh, Brook Lopez with uh, Blake Griffin. Uh, incredible shade gonna, throwing at Blake Griffin there. No, but now now, uh, now Brook Lopez is like better than Blake Griffin. I know. Now. Yeah. Um. Uh. But uh. Yeah, there's not there's not that one thing that I think uh, would allow them to steal a game or two. Like mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the Magic are a they're young, they're not super talented, they don't have that one guy, um, they're not super physical, like they're they're athletic and long, but I feel like that that actually works well, like works in the Sixers' favor. Um, so I, I would say Orlando, and then the Nets kind of just scare me because. Um, even though they just beat them pretty handily, um, the Nets scare me just because even though they're young, I think D'Angelo Russell has the opportunity to like get hot in the playoffs or the ability to get hot in the playoffs and really go off. Um, I think they have some decent role players. Like I think Karis LeVert's really good. Um, Jared Allen is, is good. Like I, I just that team feels more dangerous to me. Um, I, I, at the end of the day, though, I don't really think any of those teams scare me. Like, I, I would be shocked if the Sixers didn't win in five or six games against, at least, against any of those teams. Yeah. Um, 
but I think the Magic, they could just sweep them easily in four. I think so, too. And I'm, I'm worried about the Nets, too, because looking at, you know, so discounting the Magic, because I think, yeah, that's the one you obviously want to face, because they're just, like, by definition, the worst of those four teams, too, uh, currently, at least. Um, looking at Pistons, Nets, Heat, the Heat concerned me a little bit. I mean, they took care of them last year, and they're basically on, on par with the same quality of team as they were last year. Um, but, you know, Dwayne Wade still scares me a little bit. He's got some magic left. I know yeah. that, that scares me a bit. Uh, Russell, D'Angelo Russell scares me a lot more than Blake Griffin does. Um, and I think that's because you see, like, when the Sixers just played the Bucks, right, and Giannis went for, like, 52, but the Sixers won because when Giannis is taking enough shots and doing enough things to score 52 points, the rest of the team isn't really doing much, right? And that's how I feel about the Pistons. Like, let let Blake Griffin score 40 if you're going to beat them, right? But with the Nets, I feel like it'd be a lot harder. Maybe it's just because he's a guard who can do a lot more with the ball in his hands, um, creating-wise. But, like, I'd be afraid of Russell going off and the rest of the team having a great night. That scares me about the Nets. Um, totally. Something on the plus side, I'm just, I'm just looking at the standings right now. Sixers are 30-9 and nine at home this year. Uh, which is the second best in the East. They're t- the Raptors are also 30 and 9. Bucks are 32 and 6. Um, Pistons, Nets, and Magic all have very bad road records. The Heat actually have a better road record than the Sixers have a road record. But Pistons huh. are 14 and 24. Nets are 17 and 22. Magic are 15 and 23. The Heat are actually 20 and 17. And they're only 18 and 21 at home. So they're a better road team. So that's not something to concern you about as well. Um, I don't know what, what, what that is, what's in the water on the road. But. Um, yeah, they're actually a better road team, which kind of kind of worries me a little bit. But yeah, I would say the Nets are the ones I'm most concerned about, and then the Magic are the ones I'm very least, and then the Pistons and Heat are pretty much tied. Um, yeah, at that point, uh, I think that's. I think I agree with you totally. I, I, the Magic do, or the the Heat, I mean, do kind of scare me a little bit, just as like a veteran team that has Dwayne Wade, who for some reason just like turns it on against us every every time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that team feels like. Well, I mean, even last series, the, there were moments where the Heat actually looked like they had life against the Sixers, and yeah. um, I, I'm not afraid of that so much with the other the other three. Yeah, plus uh, or, like, except for the Nets, because I think the Nets, you know, the Nets are hot or sort of hot right now. Yeah. Um, even though the Sixers just beat them, they just beat the Celtics, um, and D'Angelo Russell's been playing out of his mind. So yeah, that's a little scary. Something that is weirdly scary about the Magic, honestly, though is that they're in the position of, I mean, they're they're nine seed right now. So say they inch in, I mean, again, they would have to end up being a six seed, but the teams are so close. If they were to move up from a nine to a six, which again is only a game and a half difference, but they're currently seven and three in their last 10. Uh, any team that like forcefully plays their way into the playoffs, carrying momentum kind of scares me a little bit. Hmm. So I think they'd be a better Magic team just like riding a wave of, of strength than we just saw. I'm still not afraid of them as a team, but that would concern me a little, little bit. Um, plus, Vucevic always just gives them fits. Um, let's, we're going to move on to some questions. We have a bunch of them today, and we'll be able to talk about a bunch of different stuff. But first, uh, let's take a quick break. And we're back. All right. Uh, I sound like a carnival barker there, or like an AM radio guy. <laughs> um, so... Let's just hop into questions, Max. If that's cool with you. Um, yeah, there is one. There was one thing that, I, as we were talking about the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, maybe b- before we jump into play or jump into questions. Sure. Kind of an interesting thought. Just thinking about the, I guess, looking past the first round. Um, you know, if you're saying that Orlando is the team you most want to play, who is the team? Assuming, I think, fairly that the Raptors are going to stay at two. Uh, and play whoever the seven seed is, and that's who you'd play in the next round if you make it. Who do you want the rap? Like, who do you think has the best chance of being the Raptors of those four teams? And do you almost care more about the matchup for the Raptors than you do the matchup for the Sixers? Um, well, I don't think. Um, like, is there any team of those four that has, for some reason, you think has a good chance of upsetting the Raptors? None. No. I think Brooklyn would have the best shot, but they would take one yeah. game from them. I don't think any of those teams stand a chance at all. Like, the Nets would have... D'Angelo Russell would have, like, an iconic, like, Nets moment that everyone would love. He'd hit, like, a dagger after, like, you know, dropping 35 or whatever. And then the Bucks would just come back out and just, run, like, run off three straight wins. And it wouldn't matter. So, not, then, and, you know, I don't think Bucks, Raptors, 
you said Raptors. I said Bucks. I'm just going to stand now. I'm not. I don't think either of them have any team that will give them a fit in the first round. I really don't. They're that good. Yeah, I am. I do feel good though that um, <clears throat> I feel I feel good. I guess that you know, for if you were the uh, the four seed getting through that first round, or if you're the if you're the Bucks getting through that first round, it's like you beat the Heat or the. Pistons or whoever, and then you have to play the winner of, of Celtics Pacers, which yep. to me is almost a little scarier in a way than playing the Raptors, uh, only because you're getting whoever's hotter of those two pretty good teams. I think the, the Celtics are going to get through that round. Um, I guess there's like the Sixers have the hope that, and I guess the Raptors do too, of the other team getting upset in the first round, um, whether that's us or the Raptors, yeah. and having an easier an easier route to the conference finals. I feel like the the Bucks have the heart, like a guaranteed difficult route because they're going to play either the Celtics or the Pacers. Right, um, but at the same time, you could have a situation where the Bucks sweep somebody and Celtics and Pacers go to like a hard fought Game Seven and they just come in exhausted. That's true, you know, or that the Pacers are are hot. Uh, coming off that that seven game series, and the Bucks just sat for a week. There's yeah. always that too. Um, all right, I'm just picking some questions up here. Uh, give me one second. Okay, that should be good. Let's take these in reverse order. So ones that came up first. Uh, first is not a basketball question, Max. I apologize. Uh, Doctor Bunsen Honeydew. At Big Head underscore Ted asked, uh, "What would be your walk up or closer trot out song if you were a baseball player?" Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd change it a lot. I think I would I'd, too. I, I definitely would not be like Chase Utley, where I just like keep the same thing forever. It would be like new every month. Yeah. Uh, um, I would have. So you, you go first if you yeah. have, if you have an, an definitive answer. I do. I have a couple, but I'll just I'll take two um, because. It used to be able to, um, on the PS3, I believe, you could upload your own music in it and put it in MLB The Show as your music. You can't do that anymore. They don't let you put your own songs on there, which is incredibly lame. Um, But my walk-up song was uh, Mr. November by The National, which would not be able to be used as a closer song because they would play too much of it, and there's a bunch of F-bombs in there. So that would be my walk-up song, but if I was a a closer, my uh, song would be uh, King of Wishful Thinking by Go West, because it's just a great mm. tune. It puts me in a great mood, so that'd be mine. I, I, I'd be all fired up. See, I feel like I'd want to go. I'd want to go traditional, like, like this isn't the music I listen to as often, but I feel like I'd want to go like, uh, Rage Against the Machine, or like, like I'd want to go with that whatever has like a really hard riff. Yeah, that's gonna sure. get me pumped up, yeah. uh, and not like the music I listen to. I'm not gonna fucking put on like Mac DeMarco or some shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or like, um, or like why or something. Yeah. So I, I feel like I want something with a, and maybe that's like Queens of the Stone Age or something. But something that has or like Foo Fighters, something that has like a nice, like twelve second. Maybe like, um, like All My Life would be a good one. I don't if know, I was man. Like, have to like stick with one for my whole career. If you're like a, if you're like a seven hole hitter and you have that just like that baseline from these few presidents playing when you walk out, that's kind of that's kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it has that like organ, like kind of carnivaly yeah. sound too. Um, Matt Rybach at my, Matt Rybach asked. He said, "When I'm not going to say when the jinx. I don't actually know what jinxes aren't real, so fuck it. When the Sixers make the finals, which player will have an iconic moment like the step over, and what will it be?" Hmm. I think there's two realistic answers, most likely. Uh, just because of the way people play. I think it's, it would either be Embiid, like, crossing someone over or dunking on them and then, like, standing over them when when it's done. Or it would be Butler, like, hitting a step-back dagger over somebody, and that would be, like, the and shot. And just holding holding the... Holding the, the, goose, holding the squat. The goose neck up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the squat, yeah. yeah. They, those would be, like, the only... I think the only real two options. Um, because, you know... If, even if, if Ben does something, Ben doesn't really celebrate other than kind of like flexing his arms down and looking at the, the crowd. He doesn't like stand over people very much. Um, uh, Tobias would just have to be hitting a shot. He hasn't really kind of glowed over people. I mean, you know, who knows? In the right situation, maybe he would. But I think those are really like your two 
Maybe there'd be a JJ thing, but I think their best option would be Embiid standing over someone after he, like, Eurostep dunked over them, or Butler hitting, like, a dagger step back over somebody. And kind of like the the shot against Boston where he's kind of crouched looking at the basket and you just see, like, Kyrie off in the corner walking away sad. It'd be more that yeah. and less him, like, standing over someone, I feel like. I, I think, too, like, if we're not talking about it needs to be, like, a game winner or something... I think Embiid's like fairly. You're you're fairly confident there's going to be some moment where Embiid has a you know something like that becomes iconic if they were to win the finals. Yeah. Like, like I'm kind of imagining him doing like the Sean Kemp. I forget who he dunks on, but that one where he like cuts in, dunks on someone, and then like points at the, points at them and laughs and it's then an runs off. Immediate like, technical now. Yeah, I, I can't believe he didn't get a technical doing that. Um, but yeah, like something like that, or even um, like a lot of times he'll black he'll block someone um, in transition and then kind of like stand over them and like look like stare them down. Yeah, I think something like that. Uh, I would say that TJ probably uh, talent to likelihood of having one of those moments is very very. Uh, I guess the ratio is low uh, sure. because I, I think he's very likely to have some. I guess like Delvadova is kind of the same thing. He's gonna like dive on the floor and then like yell and get and like pump, pump up the crowd. Like some, mo- he has a the high likelihood of doing that despite probably playing like three minutes a game in that kind of series. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Gustavo Vasselli at Gustavo Vasselli. Uh, I think I know both of our answers to this. We have talked about it a little bit in the past, so we can keep this one short. Um, mm-hmm. If you can only keep one of Butler or Harris in free agency, who would you keep and who would you let go? Oh God! It's that's the easiest Harris of all time. Yes. So we both have Harris, but here's the other yeah. thing, and I think we've also talked about this a little bit too. So you can't to, like, who would you pick up in free agency to replace the one you let go? And I, I I'll just take that because you can think about it in it for a minute if you want. Um, I've said before that I think if you have Harris right and he's your third star essentially, then mm-hmm. instead of using the money you would have spent on Butler to get a fourth star, you spread that money out amongst two to four players to just round out your bench and your rotational guys to really improve that part. So it'd be a combination of people um, who might be willing to take a little bit less than what they can get somewhere else to come to a team that has a real chance. Um, I don't know who those people would be right now. I'm not going to go through a full list of free agents, but I think you take that money and instead of trying to place him one-to-one, you try to place him with three to four guys. I probably agree with that. And I think we, we've talked a lot about the specifics of how, how it's going to work out with... Um with the money, but assuming that they let Jimmy walk and let's just assume they haven't locked up money in re-signing Mike Scott, Boban, TJ McConnell, whatever, like, on, and JJ on bird rights. Let's just say they have like a, another max spot to use. Yeah. I pretty much agree with you. I think I like I'm going after clay. I'm going after Kawhi, whatever, if they're available KD, but I don't think they're getting any of those guys. Right. Um, in lieu of that, like, I'm probably... Well, Al Horford would actually low-key be a really nice one. Um, I think if they could get Al Horford and play him at the four, uh, keep JJ at the two, Tobias at the three, and then Ben and Embiid, I think that would be really nice. And you probably don't have to pay him quite as much. Um, or it's going to be a shorter deal. That would be, like, the one, like, higher-end guy. Mm-hmm. And then if not that, maybe I'm thinking about, like, Bojan Bogdanovich. Or I'm yeah. thinking about... I think Bojan's um, going to get paid. Yeah. Somebody's going to drop a lot of money in his lap, I think. Maybe Harrison Barnes on a cheaper deal. Mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez is a free agent. That would be really nice, actually. Yeah. If it um, was... if it was, All right, let me ask you this question. If it was guaranteed to you, personally, that if you bring Al Horford to the Sixers, he will never play a minute in a Sixers uniform, how much would you pay just so he wouldn't have to go up against Embiid? I'd give him at least the MLE. Yeah, I'll just, give him just, like six million. Yeah, just to plug the end of the bench and have Embiid never have to actually face him. Yeah, basically just like, like a severance, just give, like yeah, to retire. Just give him, give him yeah, like a, give him six million dollars to go pension. on a sabbatical for a yeah. year. Yeah, go find yourself. Um, Eat, pray, love. Looking at it, looking at it now, like uh, I don't know who that third, the third guy in your in your um, sign three guys thing would be. If you could get these are both unrestricted free agents. If you could get Danny Green and Thad Young, and a, and a third yeah. guy. That seems kind of ideal to me. I feel like the Thad Young is the same thing with Horford, too. Just, like, make sure you don't have to play against him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or Marcus Morris is a free agent. That that's I, he kicks our ass every single time. Yeah. And he would be he'd be a really nice fit. Yeah. It's like I don't know Marcus Moore. If you could get Marcus Morris, Thad Young, and Danny Green. Yeah. And bring back bring back JJ. I think you're. That might be better than just having Jimmy and JJ, but I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot you can do. Um, I think it'd be good. Uh, Losing Tobias is tough because yeah. his his um, his uh, cap hold is a lot lower. So the reason you're able to do all this if you lose Jimmy is that um, with with uh, with Tobias you're able to keep him on a what like 21 million dollar cap hold, and then at the very end of free agency you sign him after you've signed everyone else yeah. and sign him to like 35 million, and you're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next question is from friend of the pod, John Winter tweet. Uh, are you two still friends after Max's epic Sixers Twitter bracket beatdown? Mm. I want to talk about this for a second. Oh man, I didn't I didn't come up with something for you to do for this podcast. Damn it, it's fine. I, I made I realized in deep deep error that um I shouldn't have never posited that as an option as an option. Um, yeah, that was a bad yeah, bad, bad 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 move on your part. Bad bet. Um, I was I was I did I knew I would never win. Anyway, so just so quick. so what we did. What, what, I guess we should like say it. Yeah, uh, wait, wait, just quick. So yeah, the, so yeah, you go ahead. I think it was uh, Ryan and uh, Sixers Adam put together a bracket of like Sixers Twitter people. Basically, um, I will say that the seating was fucked because there's no way I was a two if you were a four. Obviously, as things shook out, um, but it, it turned out I think it was in the Sweet Sixteen, right? That we faced each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got I got a I got a real kick in the dick of confidence. I'll tell you that much. I did not crack thirty percent of the vote. So, thanks everybody. <laughs> I think you deserve better. Look, man, and I also I thought, also think Zoe deserved to beat me in the in the finals. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe, or honestly, Zoe, Darian, Swaggy. Yeah. That that other side of the bracket was stacked. Um. You you kind of had a slightly easier road, honestly. Um, yeah, I did. But like, yeah, any one of those guys deserved to win over you, and I'm not saying that just because you beat me. Um, but uh, oh, what was the point I was gonna make about it? Oh, I don't know. But yeah, it was fun. I got I got my ass kicked. But I do think so. Considering the fact you have like sixty thousand followers, right? Uh, like fifty five. Okay, so fifty five thousand followers. You figure. I have like I have like six thousand, and most people who follow me probably also follow you. So I might have actually overperformed. That's how yeah, that's, that's how I'm choosing to look fair. at it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. Choosing to look at it um, that way. But we we had made a, a deal beforehand that yeah. uh, if Jim beat me in the Sweet Sixteen, um, I would have to read uh, <laughs> an embarrassing. What would you even call it? Like, uh, it was a um, kind of like a school project almost. It was like a. Right. a I, I wrote. I wrote a. Uh, this is, my mom posted it, or my mom originally posted it on Instagram, and then uh, my fiance put it up, which is how Jim saw it. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it was something I wrote when I was like ten years old uh, for why I should get a certain part in a school play, uh, and Jim was gonna have me read that on air. It's hysterical. I'm still gonna it's find really a way funny. to get you to read it on air. Maybe we could, we could just have that be the standing bet. And then I was going to have to come up with something embarrassing for Jim to do if he lost, yeah. uh, which he did, and I did not think of something. So we'll do that next time. Yeah. And if anyone has any ideas, definitely send them to me. To just yeah. tweet at me with, with ideas for Jim. So we could say this. So I'll, do, I'll just say two quick things. One, I'm, I might still try to read that out loud at your wedding, so we should figure that out later. Um, okay. And two, we do have the over-unders, but I don't know if we had enough differences of... of um, of picks for any of us like i think the most likely outcome is that we tie each other in that so maybe we'll make some kind of playoff wager of some kind um where where we can figure something out that way we'll have to yeah. think of something yeah if someone can better yet than than thinking of ways for max to embarrass me on air that i will hate very much um someone kind of suggests an idea of something with us that we can actually like wager on that would have a clear winner um you know Something like that is a little bit more fun than like you know whoever's closest to the number of you know uh, games in round one or whatever. Something more interesting and kind of weirder. Um, that'd be a lot of fun if you can send something like that our way. That'd be cool. Um, we got a bunch more questions, Max. If you're still down. Yeah, I'm down. I have at least like five. I have at least like five more. Um, actually, you know what? Let's take another quick break before we keep going because we do have a couple of more. So we will be right back. All right, cool. Uh, we are back now. Uh, 
with some more questions. This one I think is something that we we may have discussed. No, we didn't. We talked about. Uh, also, I'm all right, before I get into this, Max and I have discussed this. I think I know I've talked about it with somebody. Um, I'm a very, very, very casual wrestling watcher, <laughs> but because I mentioned it like two or three times in like jokes on the pod, and because I made like a bunch of wrestling related shirts because they're funny. I think people think I'm like obsessive, so they always ask us wrestling questions, which I'm happy to answer and have fun with. But I just want everyone to know that like I don't have the deep base of knowledge uh, to answer. In the time things. I've known you, you've gone to multiple live wrestling uh, events, though. Let me ask you this: How many of those did I pay to go to? I don't know. The answer is zero. <laughs> All right, that, yeah. that's pretty good. I would I would go for free for yeah. sure. My brother would be mad at me. Well, not mad because he doesn't listen to this. He doesn't care. Uh, but he's actually going to WrestleMania this year. So uh, if anybody has a wrestling question for my brother, I can pass it on to him. Uh, but I know enough. Okay, anyway, so this is not even really that. It's kind of just tangential. Um, very solid Shay. Shay Richardson asked, which Sixers would make the best pro wrestler aside from Embiid? And I think the answer depends on what you mean by best. Because let's be real, most NBA players are big enough to be considered a big wrestler, right? Like, you know, The Undertaker, right, is like probably like actually like 6'9". He's not like 7' or whatever they call him as. So obviously, I think the answer here, especially if you're talking like 80s, 90s, super, super gimmick wrestling, is Boban. Oh, yeah. Like, he can't move very well. He's essentially the great Kali with giant mitts. But like, he's, you know, he's, he's an attraction. You can't talk, toss him out of the ring. He's too big. Plus, he's hilarious, so he'd be good on the mic. It'd be fun to have, like, a big a guy who's essentially just, like, an enormous goofball. That'd be fun. I actually think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I, I That's so obvious. I don't know why that's not where my head went originally. Where did your um, head go originally? Was it Jimmy Butler because so, it'd be an incredible heel? The, my, he, my head actually went to um, uh, TJ as sort of, like, a Crash Holly Spike Dudley uh, <laughs> kind of character he's like, like a little bro- like an annoying little brother uh for like a tag team like a like he would be the the guy who doesn't really even fight he's just sort of like the hype man yeah. slash like manager for a tag team and uh plays like the annoying little brother basically yeah but i actually think but i think boban's the obvious answer i think boban's even more obvious than Embiid. like i think for sure Embiid would be good but i, I think Boban would be, you know, there, there aren't that many guys. Uh, even the guys that they list at that height in wrestling are never that big. No. Like, I think they list, I think they said Kane was like seven feet tall. But I'm pretty sure the real guy is like 6'9 or 6'8, which is tall, but 7'3 yeah. seven, seven is a different thing. That's Mayor Kane to you. <laughs> is he, wait, is that the, the gimmick now? No, he's a real life mayor. Wait, he is? Yeah. Of what? Someplace in Tennessee, I think. Wait, like, is he not, does he wrestle at all anymore? He pops up here and there, but I'd be mad. I'm like, you're our mayor. He's the mayor of Knox County. He's, which he's I th- born in Spain. I think that's Tennessee. I'm looking yeah. at his Wikipedia article. He's the mayor oh, of Knox County. Oh, he's on an Air Force base. Okay, that makes yeah. some sense. Um, yeah, interesting. Yep. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the next two, I'm going to... he's old as shit. I, I, yeah. I guess it's like shocking because I've only, you know, well, for at some point he he ditched the mask or wore a mask where you could basically see his face. Yeah, I stopped watching watching wrestling in like 2001, so my my uh, information is very dated. But he's a lot older than I th- like. Just looking at his picture on Wikipedia, he is very old. Yeah, like, I think he looks older sp- even than 51. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, how old he is. Hey man, they have a hard life. Um, I'm going to combine these next two questions into one because they're kind of related. Uh, the first one is the f- the first part of the question from Sixer Saturdays, which is, are you concerned about the chemistry of the Sony lineup in the playoffs? And then the second part of this question uh, is separately. It's from DFB at DFB9390. Uh, do the Sixers have the worst bench in the East playoffs? So are you concerned about the starters' chemistry? And is the bench the absolute worst in the East in the playoffs? You know, I'm not worried about the the. St- the- uh, chemistry for the starters. I'm not at all. They've like really, yeah, I think they've really in the last like two weeks, three weeks, they've really come around. Yeah. I think it was when Embiid sat, the other four really like gelled together, and then when Embiid came back, it's just like, oh yeah, and they added like the third or fourth best player in the East. Yeah, uh, and it's awesome. Like I, I just I'm not worried at all, and I'm like really hoping that um, 
everyone's healthy enough so that they can just lean on lean on that group for 35 plus minutes a night and then just spot the rest of the minutes yep in, in the rotation um do you think I agree with you completely? Yeah, I'm not worried about the the starting lineup at all. Uh, I'll I'll jump in with the with the beginning of the bench uh, question. Um, probably. Uh, so I'm pulling. Detroit's a, pretty bad. I'm looking. I'm looking at at some other teams now. There are other other teams. I mean, they're they're low seeded teams. There's nobody else at the top who's as bad as us. But like Detroit, it's like Ish Smith, Luke Kennard, um, Glenn Robinson the third, Don Maker, and Zaza. Yeah. So just, but just, just very basic stats here. Let's not. I'm not gonna get super duper in the weeds, right? Okay. Let's talk post All Star game only because it's been essentially a new team, and yeah, there've been growing pains and, and figuring out rotations and stuff like that. But let's post All Star only. Um, the Sixers bench averages 25.7 points a game, which is third worst. Uh, by the way, the two lowest are the Rockets and the Warriors. So it's just because they're. All, they get all their points from the starters. It's not necessarily that their bench is terrible. Um, they have the ninth worst field goal percentage of benches. Uh, they have the ninth best three-point percentage. So not terrible. But here's here's the key here, which I think says a lot about this. Um, also doing the same look, so post-All-Star, bench only. Uh, the Sixers have the second-best bench defensive rating but the worst offensive rating, right? So their offensive rating is 45.3. The Clippers are the best with 69.9. So that's a big, big gap there. Their net rating is is barely below average. It's negative 0.8. But um, the fact that... You said this is all since the All-Star break? Yeah, after All-Star. Yeah. But again, you know, you look at the... It's... So the bench is obviously a problem, right? Um... And they're not great. But I think a lot of this is also just a factor of you're getting most of your points anyway from your starters. Because, again, if you look at the lowest, uh, the offensive rating among bench bench teams, right? The lowest in the league since All-Stars, Sixers, Thunder, Rockets, Warriors, and then it goes like Lakers, Suns, Grizzlies, Jazz. But, like, the really, really good teams are at the bottom because they just don't get the scoring from their bench because all the scoring just comes from the starters. Obviously, you probably want more from your bench. Um, you don't want to be the lowest in the league at that, but I think I'm just kind of pitching the idea that, yeah, they stink, and I think that's probably obvious, but they might not be as actually harmful um, in the playoffs as as we may expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely concerned. I mean, it's the, it's the one thing that... that you know, kind of keeps them from being a true, I wouldn't say a true contender because I think they are a contender to get to the finals, but I, I think it's what keeps, what keeps us uh, sober about that. Yeah. Is the fact that if anyone goes down, if somebody gets in foul trouble, if somebody's having a tough series, like you just don't have a lot of options. There aren't a lot of guys who could get hot and, you know, like with the Celtics last year, we don't have a Terry Rozier right. kind of guy who could just, I mean, maybe Mike Scott is that yeah. is the closest thing to that, you know, someone who could get hot and, um, actually make a difference in the playoffs, win you a game. I don't, I think him and not even anyone, I wouldn't even say TJ's that. I wouldn't say that Boban's certainly not that. Like, it's just not that kind of guy. Like, I don't think we have one guy who can step up if the starters are struggling. I think you're really relying on the starters. That said, the starters are the, is the best five in the, in the East. So yeah. as long as you can lean on those guys and you don't have any unexpected hiccups in terms of injuries or someone just going totally cold. Like if JJ went back to where he was, you know, a month and a half ago where he's shooting 33% from three or whatever, like that's really tough. And you don't really have anyone who can get you through that, which is concerning. Yeah. Uh, Just a couple more here. I think we got three more. Um, Jay Malone at surfing Kane asks, is there a single chance we resign Boban regardless? What kind of contract do you think he'd be looking at in the off season? Um, I don't see. I mean, I think a lot depends on what happens in the playoffs, not only on who gets resigned and who doesn't, but also like how this team looks to look next year. Like, what changes they want to make, what what needs they feel like they need to fill, um, what changes they need to make. So, there's a lot still to be determined. Um, Boban's not going to cost you a lot. You know, he's only going to play ten to fifteen minutes a game when he does play, and that's not going to be every game. So, knowing that. Not really like staking your whole team on on his ability, uh, 
and getting him for probably under $10 million, I don't see why it, like at least they wouldn't consider bringing him back. It seems, you know, well, I don't know why they would they would rule it out to begin with. Yeah. Just for reference, uh, too, he made 1.2 his rookie year, and he's made he signed a three-year, $21 million. He's made seven every single year since then. Yeah. So my take is, uh, you know, I, I think what's going to happen with him is he, he, along with Mike Scott, is going to be really tied to what happens with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So if they bring back Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, uh, you've basically gone over the cap at that point. And um, if you let... Boban, Mike Scott, uh, JJ, TJ, Amir Johnson, all those guys walk, you now basically have a mid-level exception and you have minimum salaries and maybe a biannual exception to use. Yeah. So because Boban, Mike Scott, and Amir and TJ and whatever, and JJ are all guys who have either been on your team for long enough or were traded from teams where you kind of took over the bird rights, um, you can sign all those guys Technically, you could give them almost all max contracts and and still be able to bring them all back. Um, there is a hard cap, so that's probably not totally true if you go high enough. But um, I think if they bring back Jimmy, you're pretty much guaranteed they bring back Mike Scott, uh, JJ, and, and Boban as long as they want to come back. Right. Just because you can go over the cap to sign them, and I think those are three guys who are important for your depth. Um, probably Boban, other than JJ, who I think is just the best, obviously, of the three. I think... Boban more than Mike Scott is someone I really want to bring back because I don't think he'll be super expensive, like you said. I think like somewhere in that like five to seven range mm-hmm. um, per year, maybe for a couple years. And I think he's he's kind of exactly what you want. He's like a guy who's really efficient in short spurts, um, you know, who allows you to have you know whether you have Bolden or it's someone else who steps up in the future or they sign someone else or draft someone like. Uh, you know who who's more of a stretch five or a, a small ball five um you know i think having another big guy you can throw out there when it beats off the floor is really nice depending on match and we talked a lot about that like yeah that it kind of keeps teams from um you know teams that have a marcus all or a um oh even hassan whiteside even though he gets his ass kicked by and like teams that have that big guy can't just only have that guy play every minute that Embiid's on the floor and then take him off. Like, if you do that and Boban's the guy coming out there and your backup is a 6'9 small ball guy, like, now Boban's going to just, you know, board over him every time and, yeah. you know, post him up. So I think it really helps with that and get that guy in foul trouble potentially. Like, I think it's helpful to have another big guy. Um, so I, I think that alone makes me want to bring him back, and I don't think it'll be that expensive. And I, I think if they bring Jimmy... Um, Jimmy back, especially, you're almost guaranteed because it just doesn't make any sense to let him walk. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, two more. Uh, Rich at Bird Rich asked, have we recovered yet from our beloved TJ getting outplayed by MCW the other night? I want to make two points here. One, I'm not concerned in, in any way about what MCW does or does not do because uh, he's not good. Two, TJ gets outplayed all the time. Why would it be notable? Yeah. <laughs> he's not great. He's not great. No. So he gets outplayed constantly. So that's not something that's notable. And also, like, man, MCW's all, all, he's like four ex-girlfriends ago. Let's move on. Let's move on. We got we got we got good deals in that trade. Let's it's all good. I don't hate him. I hope I wish the best for him. It's not great though. Um all right, final question. I think there's something uh to this one too. Uh Vidor Mello asked uh, what will happen first, Embiid MVP or Simmons Defensive Player of the Year? And then he expanded to say, um, Embiid obviously has more potential to win MVP based on his skill than Ben Espinosa to be a great, the best defensive player. Uh, but no player since 99-2000 has won MVP playing less than 70 games. So, mm. with that in mind, uh, which do you think? I still think it's Embiid MVP. Um because I would find it hard. I don't know. See, because with Simmons' size and playing the guard position, even though he guards basically ones through fives at times, right? Um, it's going to be hard for people to look at him and say, well, he's the best defender in the league. Now, people did that with Draymond Green, who was actually even smaller than Ben Simmons. Um, 
But I think the way the league is trending, for remember for the longest time, uh, they were like it was like the center is dead. The the back to the basket center offense defensive threat is dead. And now with Embiid there, with Rudy Gobert there, with you know all these guys who are are basically playing, and there are some who are just like strictly defensive, like Gobert basically. Um, I would find I think it'd be hard unless injuries are just really really off years for Simmons to be in the top two in that conversation. And I would actually argue that I think if you added Embiid Defensive Player of the Year into this and made it a three-way contest, I think that's the most likely of the three outcomes. But even with the games played issue, I still think an Embiid MVP is more likely because if anybody is good enough and skilled enough and impressive enough to kind of break that, you know, say he played 68, 69 games or 65 games, but he was just so impactful... If anybody in the league can do that and still get those votes, I think it's Embiid. Yeah, I, I think if we're thinking longer term, I think it's definitely Embiid. Um, because also, I, I think there's a chance that he plays, that he gets to a point where he's playing, uh, like next season, he could easily play 70 plus games. Right. You know, even with even with resting at the end of the year, even with some games here and there. Like, really, if he hadn't had that knee thing, um, have played about 73, 74 games this year. Yep. So I, I think the likelihood of that is much higher. And also just looking historically at Defensive Player of the Year, um, it's really not since you go back to Dwight Howard, from who won it three straight times, 2008 through through uh, 11. You don't really have it go to guys, and maybe you could say Kawhi in 2015, but I don't, and 2016, but I don't really think... Um, he was considered this at the time. It very rarely goes to guys who are like offense first players in people's mind, right? Like, or, or or who are like equally thought of offensively and defensively, right? It's typically guys like Draymond, like Rudy Gobert, like Marc Gasol, who I guess is is a two way player but not a top offensive player the way Embiid is. Yeah, Ben Wallace, Marcus Camby. It's like these guys who are known for defense, right? And I, I don't think Ben Simmons is ever going to be that because he's a good enough offensive player and a flashy enough passer and all these things that I think that's where people's heads go with him. Um, maybe later in his career, like KG won one in two thousand eight. Um, and was still a really good offensive player at that point, but like his role on the team, I guess it would depend. Like the the one way I could see Ben getting it is if the the way the team's constructed changes in such a way where Ben Simmons becomes like a super version of Draymond Green. Right. Like if they brought in a point guard, um, you know, a decent point guard, and and Ben became more of a four and kind of a do everything guy. Maybe I just don't think that's ever going to be his reputation and right. i think Embiid has a really good chance in the next five years if he if he plays enough enough games in any of those years of being that guy like if the sixers win 60 games next year i think you know 55 games or whatever or top two in the east i think there's a really good chance yeah like he's done at least what you know he he's capable of doing at least what Giannis has done this year and in a lot of people's mind Giannis is the mvp i think probably harden deserves it more um but if you think like team performance and being the best player on your team on on the best team is, is what's important then the Sixers could definitely be the best team in the next few years and Embiid is going to be that guy yeah in the race as long as he plays enough games yeah also uh, notable um Giannis is day-to-day he, like rolled an ankle he's probably gonna play mm. he's he probably I don't think he's done for the regular season um but he's currently at 69 games played so even if say he misses a game He's only going to have 72, 73, 74 played. Um, so that's on the lower end. But, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I would probably give it to Harden, too. But I think it's going to be Giannis. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you think you don't think Harden's going to get it this year? No, I think it's going to go to Giannis. It's so crazy to me to, to imagine it's been, it's, somebody putting up 36 points a game efficiently and not winning MVP it's and hard. doing everything else he does. It's hard because, I mean, I think he's he's by far the MVP. Like, I would give him my first and second place votes and then give Giannis third. Um, but it's hard to shake the narrative, right? Um, and obviously, there's he, James Harden is doing, you know, Hall of Fame level stuff that hasn't been done in decades on the court, right? But... I think I've said this before. Like, I don't trust the people who vote for these things. Uh, and the narrative has been Giannis is the MVP since before the All-Star break. People kind of already had that decided as long as he didn't fuck up and he hasn't fucked up. Um, I, I think Harden should get it. 
if he does get it, I don't know if I'd be shocked, but I'd be like, oh. Um, because I think it's probably, if I had to put money on it right now, which I don't because I'm a bad gambler, uh, and I don't like gambling, and I lose money, um, I'd say it's probably like 60-40, I'd say, Giannis. Mm. I guess it's close, but I think it'll go to Giannis. I, I, like I said, I would give it to Harden. Yeah. People love stats, though. It's true. Like, Russell Westbrook won it a few years back because he put up a, a triple-double, average a triple-double on 30 points a game. Um, and what did, what did Oklahoma City win that year? 47 games. It went 47-35 and finished sixth in the West. Like, people are just looking to give it to someone who puts up numbers. Yeah. And obviously Giannis is doing that too, but I just think Harden's numbers are, like, so eye-popping. Yeah. I mean, he's – to do that on a good team and do it pretty efficiently is, is like – Insane. I don't think we've really like, never seen that in the modern NBA. We haven't. Like, even when Kobe did it a few years back, it was on a bad team and not super efficiently. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, like, Jordan did it a couple times, but it's pretty good company if you're saying yeah. nobody's done it since Jordan. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that I think that's all we got here, Max. Um, yeah. Probably do, it, probably do one more pod uh, before the end of the regular season. Maybe just do one after the season's over, gearing up for playoffs. Um but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for voting for Max over me in that poll. That's cool. Still, still. Send me some cool. ideas. Yeah, send us ideas for not only things that uh, I would have to do if Max would win a bet, but also what our bet should be. Uh, so we don't have to think of one. Uh, and we will see you next time. All right. See ya. See ya.